We continue our sermon series based upon the, the, our small group Bible study being challenged, and today, choosing church. Uh, if you'd like, inside your worship bulletin, you may take notes. This little yellow insert has a, a scripture gem and a gem from Luther that sort of captures the essence of the message. Once in a while in our life, we all need a good shock. You ever had a teacher or your parent make you do over a homework paper? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe even crumpled it up and threw it down and said, do it right. Have you ever had your dresser drawer emptied on your bed and said, when I say organize it, do it how? Correctly, ever had to do a job over again? Once in a while, we all need a good shock. Can any of you relate to a shock that maybe you were given that taught you a lesson? Do you know what I'm referring to? Yes, I see some hands up. We've all been given a good shock once in a while. Back in my days in high school athletics, our team won a meet that we're supposed to win by much more, and my coach wasn't happy about it. Much like a team that we watched on Friday night, they didn't play that well. You know what I'm referring to? Or I should say Friday, right? You know what I mean? The coach wasn't very happy with us, and we began joking with each other on the bus, and we were six miles from our high school, and the coach told the bus driver, stop the bus, you guys get out and you can jog the way back to high school and you can figure out what you're doing wrong. That was quite a shock. Can you relate to that? Now, a house that I bought, I was blessed with a hot tub. We're not really into hot tubs, but once a week or once every other week, um, we have to get the water checked. And I go into a Defiance Water, and I believe I saw a sign there once uh, talking about a shock. It said, uh, uh, the sign said, this is my this is not my ool, this is my pool, I do not need your what? Now, no offense, in somewhat of a rather, uh, I don't know, rude or crude way, uh, we know that sometimes when people go swimming in pools, they use it as their personal what? Restroom. The author who writes these messages, I adjusted a little bit, said he lived in Florida, and it was a very hot, humid day, and he's going to take his family swimming, but the local swimming pool had to be closed because so many people decided to use the pool as a, you know what? And so they had to shock the water to clean it out again. You know what I'm referring to? Once in a while, y'all catch that? Yeah, once in a while we all need a good shock. Um, the church, when it's done right, can be a shock uh, to hear that you and I are sinners in front of a just and holy God. And to hear that truth can be a shock. Uh, sometimes if the shoe fits, we're asked to put it on, and that could be a shock. God's word can be shocking as we're confronted with sin and we hear truth. And so today we continue our sermon series on the small group Bible study. Can you read those checked with me? Commit to community, studying, prioritizing, seeking, and today choosing church. Yeah. And these all deal with our Lord, and he says, Come to me, take my yoke, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so Jesus promises us rest from our soul, from the busyness of the world. And what he calls us to do today is to choose church. Um, more and more, the older I get and the more and more in American culture, we hear a lot of people say, I want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus cares for the poor and he's needy, he's listening, he's caring, and he's affirming. And I want to be like Jesus. And we all need to be more like Jesus. However, if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to follow what Jesus does. And Luke 21, 37, as you see on the screen, each day Jesus was teaching at the what? And can you read the next verse with me? Luke 21, 38. All the people came early in the morning 
to listen to him. So in spite of all the talk we have about people who say we ought to be more like Jesus, if we want to be more like Jesus, then we need to come to church because Jesus frequented both the synagogue where the Word of God was taught and the temple where sacrifices were given, and that was part of his weekly and daily routine to be in God's house. So someone who says, I want to be like Jesus, but doesn't come to God's house, either doesn't know what they're talking about, or they have a very different view of Jesus than what Scripture says. So to be like Jesus, we are called to come to his house because Jesus spent much time in his Father's house to be like him. So why, why is church so important? Well, the first reason church is so important because of consistency. Consistency is a power of perseverance. Doing the same thing and being persistent with it consistent brings great, great blessing. Why else? Because the importance of good news. Worship, public worship, is so important because of those two reasons. The power of consistency and the importance of good news. Now, read this with me. This is from Hebrews. It talks about consistency. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope for which we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Don't give up the habit of meeting together because in church, we meet together as believers. And so why choose church? Because consistency is important to meet together with fellow believers. Darren Hardy speaks this. Consistency is the ultimate key to success, yet it's one of the ultimate pitfalls for all people struggling to achieve. Consistency is doing the small things the right way over time that produces results. I believe that's what the author is getting at here. You and I, we live in a world of insta-fixes. You ever watched a commercial that said, if you just buy into this diet plan, that you can look like a Hollywood star or be ripped in just a couple months if you simply do what they do? Have you ever listened to a commercial that said, if you simply buy into my real estate project or my way of how you can gain wealth, if you simply read my book, then you'll be rich before you know it? Do this the next time you watch or I watch an hour-long program on TV, I'll guarantee between 54 or 56 minutes during the show, the problem will be solved. It happens time and time again. In the last two minutes of any hour-long show, people will celebrate and rejoice. It's sort of like watching a James Bond movie. There's great intensity, and James Bond in that two-hour movie just happens to fix the world's problems. That's the society that you and I live in. If you simply buy this project to become rich or you become slim really fast and we live in a fairy tale world where all TV shows, everybody ends up happy and it just magically happens. Sort of a microwavable mentality. Do you understand what's being said? Do you catch that? But the reality is good old-fashioned hard work, slow but steady steps in the right direction. So who won the race? The tortoise or the hare? Which one? Which one? The tortoise. Why? Slow, consistent, faithful steps. More than the rabbit that ran really fast and rested and ran really fast and sort of blew off the race. Okay? Small, smart choices plus consistency in time equals radical difference. And maybe in your life you've accomplished some great things and done great things, whether physically or with your career or whatever, Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time makes a radical difference. That's how it is. 
We in Defiance ought to know that, Defiance County. It's hard to get by really easy here. We're going to have to work hard. Uh, there's consistency that needs to take place. Do you know who I'm referring to when I say Larry Bird? Anyone know who that is? Right? Larry Bird? Okay. One of the great all-time NBA players. Well, I'm going back in time. I'm going old school now. But Larry Bird, um, anybody know what college he played for? Indiana State. There you go. Thanks. Yeah, longtime Boston Celtic, and he played at the Boston Garden with their old parquet floor. And the floor was installed many decades ago. And what Larry Bird used to do is for hours he'd study the floor because as the floor got older, there'd be like cracks in the boards or there'd be like soft spots in the board or there'd be some boards that got uneven. And he'd sit there and he'd dribble for a long time and see how the ball would dribble because when he's playing a game and the opponent is nearing there, he knew the ball would go one way and he could steal the ball. Or he knew exactly how to dribble the ball when other people couldn't move as fast because he studied the floor so much. Larry Bird was very consistent. If you ever watch him, sometimes he played defense to move a player into the part of the floor that he knew the ball would react a different way. Larry Bird was into consistency. How many times did he just stand in one place and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot until he got it done right? He's a picture of consistency. And what was the result? How many NBA titles? A Hall of Fame basketball player, one of the all-time greats, he understood consistency, uh, the power of doing the same things the same way over and over. Uh, the early Christian church was somewhat like that too. Acts tells us that the church gathered together frequently, that they broke bread, which means they have communion. They studied the apostles' word, the Bible, frequently. Uh, they prayed together. They met together. They gave to people in need. They had fellowship, and the church grew, and they gained favor. Let me say it again. They did consistent things together. They met together, prayed together, fellowship together, worshiped together, broke bread together, cared for the needy together. They had great fellowship, and they gained the favor of all the people, and the church grew. The power of consistency. It was something that someone consistently does. In Defiance County, it's hard for a business to get by if they want to fly by the seat of their pants. Uh, there's long, deep roots of people who lived here, and we know businesses over years and decades. Consistency, many times, brings great results. That's the early Christian church, consistency. Um, sometimes what I hear in American society is I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Well, what do you mean by that when you say you're spiritual, but not religious? I've yet to hear an answer. Even my classmates say, oh, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. Is that something chic that gets said? I'm spiritual, not religious. Is that a cop-out? What does it mean you're spiritual, not religious? What exactly do you stand for if you're spiritual but not religious? And religious, even though it gets a bad rap in our society today, but religion is just being consistency. It's a consistent view of God, who God is and who I am and who we are in the realm of all things. Religion is really as unpopular as it is. And I think one of the reasons it's unpopular is because it's consistent. It's small, slow steps over time that makes a radical difference. This saying sort of a cop-out. I'm spiritual, not religious. What do you mean by that? What are you spiritual about? My religion leads me into deeper spirituality. I want to talk about church attendance. In 2021, 10% of self-professing Christians say to have a solid faith in Jesus, but they no longer worship. Well, how can you have a solid faith in Jesus who worshiped all the time if you no longer come to worship? That's like me saying I want to join the swim team, but I'm afraid of water, right? 
It just doesn't make any sense. How could someone have a solid relationship with Jesus and not even worship with other Christians? Now compare that to 1999. Only 2% had that view. Do you see how things have changed? Let's go on and talk about that. In 2021, regular church attender, if I come one or two or three times a month. Yeah, I come to church regularly, I come once a month. I come to church regularly, I come twice a month. Today, that's considered a regular worship attender. Now, I know we have family that lives outside of town. I know sometimes people work more and there's other issues. But notice how the attitude changed. Compare that to 1999, where I'm a regular church attender if I attended what? Every Sunday. My previous congregation, um, I was concerned about an elderly couple because even though church might be closed due to icy roads and really bad winter weather, uh, their children shared with me, my parents will get to church no matter what. That's how dedicated they were to God's house. Do you see the difference there between regular worship attendance, how it changed? Now, during COVID, one out of three church attenders stopped attending, and that's pretty much us here, and I can understand that. Now, this isn't a fault or blame anyone. Nobody wants COVID. We can understand that. Your safety is first and foremost. And I believe God understands that as well. But what's going to be our response at St. John? Well, let's encourage them. We're going to play offense. Ask people who have been coming, maybe as you get shots, as the disease continues to fade away, to come back. The worst thing is someone falls away from the faith. When I don't come to God's house, I'm not hearing the word, and my faith is being starved, and I'm not growing. Right? No one has grown dramatically in their faith without attending what? Worship. It just doesn't happen. You, you can't grow in something if you're not involved with it. So God calls us here together in a community, in a church. Not worshiping together is nothing new. Even 2,000 years ago was the case. Let's stop worshiping together. I just don't want to get up that early. I don't want to go through all that time. Don't give up the habit of meeting together as some are already doing. There's nothing new with that. But we are called to worship together. And don't we say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the what? Say it. Yeah, church is never about you and me. It's always about us. Church is not a you thing. Church is not a me thing. It's an us and we thing. It's not a them thing or their thing. It's a we thing. It's something that we do together. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer from the previous century, said, Christianity can only be known and experienced with other Christians. It's a team sort of thing. We're called a congregation, an assembly, a flock, a holy people, a nation. It's us together, and we believe in the communion of saints. One can't love Jesus without being where? Because Jesus says, this is where I hang out at. This is where I'm present. This is where I bring you my blessings. Here. We've heard sometimes that uh, why is news always bad? Why don't we just have good news? What about a, a TV station or news or newspaper that only be good news? Well, City Reporter tried that. They only shared good news. And what happened? Their readership dropped by two-thirds. We sometimes like bad news. Don't believe me? Next time you go to Kroger's or next time you go to Walmart, next time you go to Chief and you're checking out What's in the checkout aisle? Well, there are going to be tabloids and magazines about what? Bad news. Gossip and what, who's doing what with who and what happened to who and who like that. Bad news sometimes sells. But church is about good news. Let's read. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day and read from Isaiah. 
And Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus rolled up the scroll and said, Today the Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to fulfill good news, to live and to die and to rise for us. He is good news. We hear good news in church that us lousy sinners are forgiven and redeemed. It's good news. Newspaper articles also say, if it bleeds, it what? Bleeds. So Jesus bleeds, so we'll let him lead. What about worship? Jesus bled for us. So in his church, we hear his what? Word. We receive his what? Grace. We're reminded of our what? Baptism. We're fed the body and blood of Christ. We fellowship with believers. We grow and mature. What else? We focus to produce fruit. All by being here in God's house, His church. Where we hear the truth and grow as His people. So important is church that God protects it with His own commandment, the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by what? What does it mean to us? We are fear and love God so we do not despise the preaching and His word, but gladly hear and learn it. God's house, choose church. We hear we're guaranteed heaven where Jesus who cleanses us from all sin will wipe every tear from our eye. So about this for a closing thought. Can you read it with me? We are called to stand together with the saints of ages past, with the patriarchs and prophets in the face they once held fast. Promises and hopes they treasured, now we find fulfilled at last. And God, God's people say, Amen. Amen.